would like to scan all of you in this room, one at a time. I must remind you that the scanning experience is usually a painful one, sometimes resulting in nosebleeds, earaches, stomach cramps, nausea, sometimes other symptoms of a similar nature. At this point, I'd like to call for volunteers. Yo, 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 what it is. This is, this is, this is Rob Lee. This is Big Wave. How's it going? This is a new episode of um, a movie review podcast where we review movies. That's a weird way of saying it, isn't it? <laughs> Allegedly. I, 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 have, uh, I have noted Girlface. I have Kamari here with me. What's, what's shaking there, Koo? Girlface here. It's just a beautiful Saturday afternoon. Is it? Yes. Ready to talk about one of the most traumatic experiences of my childhood. Yeah. We're talking about scanners, folks. <laughs> So yeah, um, so what we're going to talk about is this movie Scanners. I'm going to give you some um, some background. So we're going to release this episode. This is going to come out on the 40th anniversary of this movie. The movie, I'll give you a synopsis for all you cats and kittens out there who have not heard it, uh, and you not watched it. I haven't seen this movie, I didn't see this movie until when you, when you and I watched it together. Mm, yes. And of course, I sat there and I laughed at everything because... If you look through my, uh, you know how people talk about their um, browser history? If you look through my movie history, it's like, huh, a little strong for my taste throughout. <laughs> yes. It's like, huh, I wonder if the original Maniac holds up. <laughs> it does. So this movie, Scanners, is a 1981 release. came out January 14th, 1981. Synopsis, what we like to do here. We like to give the, um, the background, the context of the movie, and then we like to get into... You know, kind of some of these like factoids and some of the kind of game stuff and, you know, kind of our play by play review and any anecdotal stuff that um, we have related to the movie. Because a lot of these movies we've either seen as a kid or we've rewatched and especially what we've done previously um, in that first season. We've we had like Scott Pilgrim. We had like Ninja Turtles. We had Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, things that, you know, you grew up with, you watched and it happened to be in our anniversary years. So the synopsis for this film 
Daryl Revick is the most powerful of all scanners um, and is the head of an underground scanner movement for world domination. Right there, sold. You bought a ticket. Uh, scanners have, a, have great psychic power. Strong enough to control minds, they can inflict enormous pain and damage. Cool, I look at you right now from my periphery that you know about this enormous pain and damage to their victims. Dr. Paul Ruth, which is a fake name, uh, finds a scanner that Revic hasn't and converts him to that cause to destroy the underground movement. Scanners. So this movie was released in, in February 14th, 1981. I believe, let's see, I, I have down 14.2. I 14.2 million. I don't know if that's what the gross was or if that's what the movie cost. I'm going to say it grossed that. Possible. Because a Valentine's Day movie. Hmm. A Valentine's Day kind of like body horror movie? <laughs> yes. So it grossed that much. It had a budget of $3.5 million. Okay. So, and this is um, one of the things interesting about it. It was the first successful Canadian release that was successful internationally. That makes sense. It's a Cronenberg. Um, the, uh, this movie came out the same month as two other horror sci-fi-ish movies. One is Ridiculous. One is kind of a movie I think you may have seen. So in the same like month period, right? In, De in December 25th of 1980, you had Altered States. I remember Altered States. And this is the funniest one right here. In January 23rd, 1981, we had a movie, a little movie called The Inseminoid. Not familiar with that. Uh, you should watch it one day. Okay. We're going to watch it one day. I'm going to make you watch it. Uh... Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of 70% based on 37 scores, reviews, um, with a weighted average of a 6.7 out of 10 um, for imdb.com. The uh, site's critical, the, the, I'm sorry, uh, Rotten Tomatoes consensus reads, Scanners is a dark sci-fi story with special effects that'll make your head explode. Dun, 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 dun. Um, the movie stars Michael Ironside, whose credits include, now, we're going to talk about this because I got some issues with Michael Ironside. And <laughs> yeah, I just have to say that he looks insane in this movie. <laughs> we got to talk about how old, how old he was, by the way. Yes. So Michael Ironside's, the movies that he's most famous for, in my opinion, came out after this. He was in um, Top Gun, mm -hmm. Total Recall, mm -hmm. Starship Troopers. Yes. Which I spelled wrong as I'm looking at it. Um, all of those came out after this. Like, Top Gun was in 86, Total Recall was, like, what, 90 or 91, and Starship Troopers was 96. So, my man was popping, kind of, like, kind of that gruff, pseudo kind of military, and he was not that in this movie, by the way. No, but he has a fantastic name for those roles. Yes, absolutely. And also, we had Stephen Lack. We'll talk about him later. <sighs> Whose credits include, he retired from acting, by the way. Well. Okay. <laughs> What I wrote down, and I'll quote, <laughs> Stephen Lack was lacking, is what I wrote. I had a feeling that you were going to say that. And he retired from acting. He's actually, a, I think, a sculptor now. Cool. And um, his credits include Dead Ringers. I love Dead Ringers. That's the reason I mentioned it. Yes. Awesome movie. Now, here's a little trivia about the movie before we get into uh, some of our, our takes around it and a little bit of just about the movie as a overall. Cronenberg! Uh, once called this film the most frustrating film he ever had to make. The film was rushed through production. Filming had to begin without a finished script. And was and the end was written um, uh, roughly two months um, beforehand so that financing would qualify for a write-off, forcing him to shoot and write on the same day. And that always works out well. For this to, for this to you know... <laughs> 
I wrote it heads up. The, a, the iconic head explosion scene, which I know traumatized you. We can get into that right after this. Um, was a product of trial and error, eventually settling on a plaster skull in a gelatin exterior packed with latex scraps, some wax, and bits and bobs um, to simulate this kind of stringy stuff, which was gross. And he thought it would fly through the air a bit better. And he also used a little uh, leftover hamburger meat. Now, I'd, I'd like you to think of something specific, something that will not breach the security of your organization and that you will not object to having disclosed to this group. Something uh, personal, perhaps. All right. Yes, I have something. Do I have to close my eyes? It doesn't matter. All right, yes, I have something. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So when when you and I initially watched it, uh, you, you had some um, some traumatic things. So, so, so tell us about that a little bit. What was the, like, the trailer was the thing that really caused you some grief, right? Yes. So I'm a guest here, but <laughs> dear listeners, Robert is going to indulge me by allowing me to talk a bit about this movie and its effect on my life. So... I actually saw the trailer for this film while my mother and I, and I think my sister was probably there. Like a lot of families, we had that like tradition of going to the movies on Christmas. And we were actually going to see a movie called Stir Crazy, which is an R-rated comedy starring Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, or starring Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder, if you prefer. And um, so let's just start there. This was a comedy that we were seeing, an R-rated comedy, but still a comedy. If anyone is interested in seeing the trailer that I saw, you can actually see it as a part of the DVD set that the Criterion Collection offers. So this movie, Scanners, is a Criterion film, which is a distribution company that highlights what they consider to be relevant, classic, or otherwise interesting, important films. The trailer is was one scene which starts with someone that we find out is a scanner doing a demonstration. This is supposed to be like a marketing meeting, okay? And they have a bunch of subjects there. It's really not a lot of people. In the beginning of this demonstration, the character says the fateful line, no one should leave the room once the demonstration begins. I put in my notes, well, you didn't leave the room (laughs) at all after the demonstration. He's looking for volunteers. He explains briefly that he's going to be scanning the audience. It may be painful. Someone volunteers, comes up to the front. 
You don't really know what's happening, but the person who is supposed to be leading this meeting begins to convulse violently and without warning to the audience, his head explodes. <laughs> this was the trailer. And this is the only thing that happens in the trailer. You don't scatters. have any context. Exactly. Scatters. You don't have any context for what is going on. And I, like I said, I saw this trailer in a film that was released in 1980. And I was completely traumatized. Now, I love going to the movies, which is something that I share with my mom, my stepmom, my dad, basically everyone in my family. He came out in 1980. I did not, well, the trailer I saw in 1980. I didn't see the film, obviously, um, until recently with you. Um, so I was born in 1973. <laughs> and I did not see this film in total until a couple of years ago. Yes. So actively avoided it. <laughs> actively avoided it. Um, so this trailer basically, I did not want to voluntarily go to the movies again until Return of the Jedi, which was what, 1984? 83, 84? 83, yeah. yeah. I just, I didn't want to go to any movie. I didn't want to see any trailers. I didn't want to see anything. I hid when I heard the radio spots come on, which you can also see as a part of this DVD collection. You can also um, listen to the radio spots. It was all terrifying. It is my belief that we were part of a test audience. And because, you know, in New York, it's probably happened, you know, test audience to see how this goes. And I would wager that a lot of people did not see that particular scene as the trailer after that because the entire audience was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Because, you know, just for context, people did not see something like the alien jumping out of, I think it was John Hurt, this actor's name, chest in Alien, mm -hmm. and 1979. So that would have been the year before. People were not used to seeing things like this. So, yes, it was a couple of years before I even wanted to go see any movie. And I didn't see this movie. I did not watch the scene. And when Robert and I watched the film together, he could tell that I was having like a physical, visceral reaction. <laughs> your heart was jumping out of your because chest. Because I knew when it was coming. This Because the trailer, that entire scene was like burned into my memory forever. And the thing about it, because I time marked it when I rewatched it, it's about 10 minutes into the movie. It's the third scene. Also... <laughs> In this article that um, is called Mind and Matter, it's published by Kim Newman, where she describes basically um, what happens in the film, why Scanners is important, and why it's a part of the Criterion Collection. She says, as originally intended, the film would have opened with this scene, mm -hmm. but it's so shocked preview audiences, me, mm -hmm. that they found it hard afterward to pay attention to the admittedly complex plot. It's like, okay, sure, it's still the third scene, though. So... I'll, I'll add this to it, this just for added effect. Yes. Um, so, as I was saying before, with all the flying shit through the air, all of that stuff, they changed the technique that they used. Mm -hmm. So, special effects uh, guru, uh, supervisor, uh, Gary Zeller, told the crew to roll cameras, get inside trucks, and, do and doors, close the windows. They love a fucking shotgun. It's a shotgun. And that's why it looks as explosive as it does. They filled a dummy head, as Robert said, with organ meat, like chicken gizzards, dog food, and they blasted the thing in the back of its fake head with a shotgun. And the, the, the thing that's really funny about it in that sequence, I don't know who the guy was. He was one of the dudes that tried to kidnap Revit because he reveals himself as fucking scanner and all of that shit at the scene. 
the guy with the dark hair, it's like everyone is just unfazed. It's like, you just seen a nigga's head explode. Oh, he's totally unfazed. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, his hair kind of looks like a Simpsons character. Yes. Like, he, the way it's shaped. He looks like one of the guys that's in, like, Fat Tony's Mob. Yes. And he Right. He's just sitting there like, well, that was unfortunate. And every people mm. are screaming. Get him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're just like, are you serious? The other thing is, as a person who knows sound. Yeah. Do you feel like they kind of kept the sound? Because I kind of think they did, of like the gunshot. I think they kept the sound because I think most of the reaction there, I I think it's very similar to, and remember that scene in Die Hard where they don't tell Alan Rickman we're actually going to drop you? Right. I think the people who are sitting there, because it's one of these kind of, it's kind of marketing thing, kind of a, this is just an infomercial, this is bullshit. Uh, What's uh, going on here? Are these two dudes having orgasms on stage? Uh, Because... Yeah. I mean, Revit was like, <laughs> Well, he may have been, because they didn't really, we don't know what all the side effects His are. His fucking whole head was like, Because I also kind of want to discuss these powers later we'll, on. We'll talk about that. Yes. So um, here's a few few more things before we get into actually the rundown of the movie. Yeah. Cronenberg moved the head explosion scene from the beginning of the film for late moviegoers. Because, you know, as you were saying earlier, they wanted that to be the start of the movie. Wow. Just scanners, here's the computer screen, blam. But you don't even know what's happening. Like, when you watch the scene, you're just like, who is this? Where are we? But when we get in the beginning, right, uh, that first scene that we get mm-hmm. is, like, Veil in the mall. And yeah. you can hear these. He's at a weird hot dog place. He's eating, like, leftover corn dogs. I felt like that was, like, just shot because they didn't have anything. Probably. Which, if if, it, if you're shooting them right in at the same time, that's likely what happened. Yeah. We need something right here. You know what? He's like an X-Men. The people are going to look for him. Yeah, that makes sense. That sounds let's good. do a Big Dave. Roll tape. Yeah. Let's do a crony. <laughs> David Cronutberg or whatever. He's just a, he's just a donut. Cronutberg. Um, there were several remix attempts, but none got his got Cronenberg's blessing. He's like, you can go fuck yourself. I don't want to be involved with it. And I got a list of those, by the way. Um, Michael Ironside, who I think this is his movie, by the way. It is. He was hired only for a bit part. He's not in the movie that much either. He's pulling an Anthony Hopkins. He was paid $5,300 Canadian. This movie was insanely had a low budget. Part of Wait, is it more? Because, you know, Canadian always costs more. Like, when I order a shirt, it's always more in Canada. So is it, like, more than U.S.? That might have been ten grand though. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's ten grand. So that's some of those things. So let, let's talk about... Let's talk about the movie now. Let's kind of get into some of your your thoughts and impressions of the movie. Um, and if you got anything, feel free to chime in. But we're going to try to go chronologically. So we kind of already got in that like first ten minutes. But if you got anything that we should be covering within that first ten minutes before we kind of move on, let's do that. Well, the only thing I want to bring up, which I'm sure will come up again as we go along, is that. It is very difficult to tell what's going on in certain scenes. Like, they'll yes. give you an establishing shot, kind of, mm-hmm. but you're like, okay, remember, guys, this is made up. We don't know what this is. So they'll show, like, a. I really love the, like, the cold, kind of almost, like, Eastern Bloc country tone mm-hmm. of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that mm-hmm. kind of works when they'll show just, like, some imposing building and a sign will be, like, Consec. And then you go inside. Consec. But you don't know what Consec is. You're just like, okay, it, it sounds like knowledge, is something, this science. Hair? Is this, is like, a blow dryer? Yeah. So it's s- to Right? Scene-to-scene transitions are kind of difficult. I, I'll say Michael Ironside with hair. Okay. Is a thing that I was like, huh? But then it's kind of oniony because when he's like, you know, scanning out <laughs> on, on stage, that shit is looking wild. I was like, scanning out, like, sir. <laughs> I think you meant to be at the Con Air place because this is wild. And the, the, the my summation of the movie as a whole was 
this is a spy movie to me. Mm, yeah, it, it's it a has spy a Cold movie War with super, feeling to it. Yeah, yeah it, it, and you know we'll, we'll get more into that. Um, I like the term because the number moves around a little bit. So when they had that concept con meeting with Ruth and all the fucking powers that be, after like Ironside kills everyone, by the way, right? When they like, yeah, get this motherfucker out of here, and they use like the needle to try to subdue him. Yes, and the doctor uses it on himself. Why does none of the doctors in this movie look like doctors? Wait, okay. <laughs> so I actually has that have that as a note. I don't want to jump ahead to like, talking about like these alleged assassins that show up Stop in every it. scene. Almost every scene, someone comes to like murder other people at the scene. But they, I got notes on that too. They look like central casting. It seems like central casting itself was full of temps that day. No offense to temps. You and I have both been temps. Yeah. But I'm like. Who are these people? They look like my substitute teachers from high school. They don't look like assassins or doctors or any of these people. So the black dude, <laughs> the black assassin, right? Yeah, he's in both sequences. Are you talking about the one? Oh, doesn't he? So he comes to the group scan, which we'll get to that. But and then he, is he one of the ones that comes to kill the artist? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what the hell he's so, doing. What's the shotgun budget in this movie? I don't know. That's an unanswerable question, right? Yeah, because I'm like, I don't know where they, these weapons look like antiques. Talk about Cold War. The only person that didn't have a shotgun that had a gun was like hard hair who fucking shot like dude later <laughs> in the movie. You remember? He's just like, yeah, blam. And everyone else had like the wild pump shotgun. I was like. Yeah, he definitely picked last when it came to the weapons. Um, But, you know, he knew what he was doing. Um, I, I, I will say in like that first when you see Revic, right? Mm-hmm. Revic is just, look, I don't give a shit. Niggas is dying. That's the energy he had. Yes. He's like, look, he's going to shoot him. I'm going to watch it. I'll make you shoot yourself. Ha, ha, ha. Combs his hair to the side because it's on the side the whole movie. It is on the side. And he, I feel like he and and the actor who who portrays Vale both try because, okay, remember. Stephen Lack. This is, <laughs> Stephen Lack. This is pre-X-Men. This is pre a lot of superhero movies or comic book movies where we kind of have like a, a visual language for how people look when they're using their powers. This hasn't been established yet. So Vale is walking around looking like he's Stop. wearing fucking Cyclops' visor when he's like <sighs> blasting people with his mind. But like, Revic, he looks more convincing as to like, I'm making someone shoot themselves. Because he's he's committing his body to it. <laughs> right. The, the closest thing that we had, because I, I, I'm not going to correct you here, but closest thing we had was TV versions. TV's Hulk, TV Spider-Man. That's true, yeah. And they didn't have those powers. Right. If he was like, I'm a scanner's twack like Spider-Man web and shit, it's like, that's not how you scan. That's not how you scan. I, I felt like if Daryl Revick wanted to be a Joker, right? If I was Daryl Revick. Okay. I feel like I would have said this. I need him like I need a hole in the head. Yeah. When okay. they doing the whole training, right. like, yeah, so you need to see who this Daryl Revick is. <laughs> now, this is where it starts to get a little bollocksy for me. Okay. Daryl Revick is 35. He was actually 31 at the time. Oh, my God, yes. When, they, when they're, when they like, showing the fake file and, like, talking about his age and stuff. And Stephen Lack is almost 40. Right. And can't act. Because um, he was terrible. He was terrible. And um, let's see. Um, also, it's, it's funny. I like how remember remember with the the guys that are driving him before Revit kills all of them. 
Yes. I like how the woman was like, hey, man, you can't be driving like that fast. He pulled the gun immediately. I was like, you went from, hey, slow down to murder. Right. I know. Yes, exactly. And then you're trying to figure out also what car you're in. Right. You're like, where is this voice coming from? Is it coming from the car that ends up crashing or is it coming from the car that like they're transporting Revic in? Because like you can't really tell. So it was one thing that uh, Ruth said, that's the, the doctor that contact and all of that, that he said that made a lot of sense. Well, actually, it just talked about how inept Consec was. Mm -hmm. So the number moved around. So like on the official documentation, it says 100 and, I mean, 247 scanners. It's 237. And that's what he said. Yeah. So in it, he's saying is that it's 236 other scanners. Mm -hmm. And y'all got none. And he's like, we got one. I was like, you got one out of, that's less than a half a percent. Like if you're recruiting, right? Right. <laughs> like if you were if you were working at higher ed, it was like, yo, let me pull in these. You know, our rate of students <laughs> this is less than three percent. That yield is not looking good because, like, so okay, I do want to talk about this scene that happens early in the movie between Doctor Ruth, which sounds weird now, and yeah, yeah. Vale, Paul Ruth, because yeah. this. So they have this insane meeting, which I think this is the second scene in the movie. Is it? He's is it like the... tied down, right? Yeah. There are a bunch of people filing in, and they're suspect. taking forever. They're like coming in, talking about their weekends. Like, hey, did you make it to Home Depot? Did you call that roof guy I gave <laughs> you? Like, and he's like, hurry up! But I mean, like. So Vale is laying there restrained and thrashing around, which it's really only till seeing the movie this time that I realize it's because he's hearing all these voices. Yeah. The purpose of this meeting is unclear. Mm -hmm. We don't know what he's supposed to be, what anyone is supposed to be getting out of this. Or, or what we, I don't, I have no, <laughs> plus that room, not very scientific looking. It was a sub-basement. <laughs> It was clearly a fucking sub-base, and they went back to this room later. They do. So I'm just like, is this because this is not, like, a, an agreed-upon, like, real project? You know what? I'll I'll say it was some kind of clandestine thing okay. because, you know, when we get some of that plot later, and mm -hmm. the movie's kind of brisk if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, it moves along, definitely. Yeah. Um, I like the term that he used for the scanners. What did he say? Telepathic curiosities. Yeah, that is that should be the name of like a store or something. <laughs> it sounds a little racist, by the way. Yeah, it does. It sounds like a little carnival like vibe. So I got a question for you. This would be one of the questions. I don't know if we can really answer. Okay. I'll say like you said the Eastern Bloc thing. If everything was filmed in Canada, which I believe it was, mm -hmm. like we'll see. Canada just looks fucking dangerous and seedy. I yeah, it's definitely not what I think of when I think of Canada. What are the news headlines after head explodes, men die, news at 11? What are the Canadian headlines? Well, that's a good question. I don't know that much about Canadian media and how it compares to ours. But, like, I don't know how they're going to position this. I mean, is this like, you know, somebody loses their head at Consec Industries? You know, is it couldn't keep their heads on straight? I don't know. But see, I grew up with the Daily News, and that's the, those are Daily News type headlines. I hit it a class at concept. <laughs> right. it, it, see, <laughs> what I would feel like is a dark day at the Maple Leaf. It, it'll be some right. shit like that because that's probably the name of the hotel. Probably. Some yeah. goofy shit or the Beaver End. Mm. <laughs> you know what? Fine. It's you know what? Never mind. Never mind. 
Dr. Ruth in a beaver end is all fun. You know what? They were probably meeting in the same building. They, after they fucking fucked up and right. let this dude get away, they yeah. had a meeting upstairs. No, they probably did because that is, I mean, essentially that was like a Chernobyl meeting. Like if yes. anyone has seen um, Chernobyl on HBO, which I highly recommend, that's essentially the meeting that they were having is they're just like, okay, well, what are we going to do about this shit? And who's going to take the fall? And then it's like that guy Keller emerges as like the new bullshit boss. Mm-hmm. And then he's, like, having it out with Dr. Ruth about, like, we need to shut down the scanners. Actually, this is what I think we should do. So, yes. Now I have one question. I would save this for later, but I might as well ask it, might as well ask it now. Mm-hmm. If you were to remake this, mm-hmm. what would be your format to remake this? And would there be any major change that you would make to the the movie, like, in terms of... Would it be? Would you still go to static movie? Would it? Would you lean more into head explosions? Probably not. Uh, would it be a series? Would you recast anyone? What, what do you? What are your thoughts on that area? Oh, this is a good question. I do think that I would make it a series. I think that there's enough juice there okay. for a series, especially because it was, you know, one of the reasons why I think Criterion wanted to include this film is because I feel like. It has been influential. Mm-hmm. It was influenced by an an actual event that happened, a drug called thalidomide, which was prescribed, um, I think, beginning in Germany was the first place that used it. I think they also used it in Britain. And one of the things that they used to do a lot was prescribe things what they called off-label. So say that the drug is meant to do this, but we found that it's also great for this. They started giving it to pregnant women. Oh, no to treat a variety of things. You can look it up. Don't do Google Images. But um, this drug resulted... <laughs> I'm looking around for computer. Robert's reaching for, like, his phone. But it, it resulted in um, birth defects. Okay, never mind. And so... <gasps> The, you know, so the events in Scanners were Ow. inspired by that real life event. So I feel like we have definitely enough to work with. Mm-hmm. And um, and and also, when you think about it, I'm sure that Eleven's powers in Stranger Things are influenced by this idea also. So I think it's enough for a series. I think that one of the things that I would keep would be to keep sort of the... Um, I feel like Revik is a really good background character. Like, it, it's really about him, but in a way, he's kind of like the puppeteer. Mm-hmm. Like, he's literally moving the chess pieces around on the chessboard, but he's not always necessarily on screen. You always feel you're afraid of him. You're always afraid that he's going to appear or that, um, you know, he's lurking somewhere around a corner, his assassins or the people that he's controlling. And I would keep that because I really, really like that heightened effect. And we don't know how strong his scanning ability like is it from far range right. and shit like that because when he send these niggas there it's just like mm, I feel like he's communicating with y'all yeah right exactly like walkie talkie style yeah right where it's just like no go in the room on the left and, and they're there you're mm-hmm. just like wait a minute this hey is Jerome GPS. you late again <laughs> Your is, why does it have to be Jerome though okay love Jerome because he's Canadian because they're probably French Canadian it's L-E lower E whatever I don't know <laughs> And I think in terms of casting, I mean, we can talk about it now. We've got to do better better with, with casting Vale. I mean, this guy, and this is the thing that's always so curious to me. Obviously, I was alive during this time period. So I try to think back to, like, what was the appeal of an actor? It's kind of like 
Robert and I have had this conversation where my kids basically ask me, like, how was Michael Keaton cast as Batman? They don't know who the fuck this person is. So they're like, they don't know that there was a time when he was like one of the most famous actors in America. Mm-hmm. So is there something about this actor that made them feel like this person will be a good veil? I know it's not like this was a big budget movie or and of course, it's that like horror thriller where, you know, it's maybe not a prestige project can, for an actor, but I don't was. get it. Okay. What, what was it? He was available. And Canadian. I think like everyone <laughs> is, is Canadian. Okay. Um, I, because I sat there, I like, I, because we believe in the church of where's yours, right? Yeah. I agree with everything you said. Mm-hmm. I would make it a limited series though. Yeah. Or if I could go back in time, I would have recast him as and I get your your point about prestige and all of that. Mm-hmm. But you know what this would have been a good turn for? What? He looks like Christopher Reeves in multiple shots. He does. His hair especially, there's like a Christopher Reeve vibe. So if you do Christopher Reeve in there, that would have worked? That would work. And Michael Ironside leans to being a villain anyway. He yeah. looks like a villain. I wouldn't recast. I think he was great. I yeah. I liked him a lot. Everyone he... in it was fine. We got another person to talk about. Though. Yes, but, oh, before we move on from Michael Ironside, they really do something clever in this movie, again, that I didn't notice the first time because I was just trying to get through it, um, was... They de-age Michael Ironside in this really cool way by shooting a flashback in black and white. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... (laughs) So apparently, so the character of Revik has a scar in the middle of his head, which in a very X-Men-like fashion story, Mm -hmm. he, you know, he drilled a hole in his head, you know, because he was having all these thoughts. No one could help him. He was hearing all these voices. And there's this... They have this scene where I guess he's talking to a therapist or... You know, I don't know, some government official, you can't really tell. But he's, like, talking about what happened, and it was a really, really clever way to do, like, kind of a flashback, kind of like a document, and make him look younger by using black and white. And a not-too-bad wig. And, yeah, not-too-bad wig, and they did the other thing that made made him look just a little off-kilter. They had, like... Because you don't see it initially. Mm-hmm. He has like a piece of tape with a, a piece of paper on it with a smiley face or a circle yes, or something right there. Yes, he has drawn on the thing yeah. on his like uh, bandage. So when it falls off, you're like, oh. Yeah, because oh, first it like looks like a third eye or something. You know, keep your third eye open, brother. Right. And Maybe Revit was just woke. And then he, listen, he may have been because, <laughs> and here's the other thing is, and I don't know if he had this in mind necessarily, but especially in those scenes, there's something about him that gives you a little bit of like a Jack Nicholson, but if he had yes. taken like a lot of sedatives yeah, yeah. and like so toned he, down the yeah. Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, he denickled himself. Yeah, he denickled himself a bit. But uh, I just wanted to shout out that scene. So I, I think it would be, if, if I were to do it now, um, limited series, six episodes. Let's not do Maybe too like much. Maybe like a British way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was then, it would either be one or two people. It would be Christopher Reeves, or if you want to go Canadian. Mm-hmm. You can go Bruce um, Greenwood. Who's Bruce Greenwood again? Um, do you remember the Star Trek, the reboot of Star Trek with Chris Pine, the first one? Um, I saw it. Well, he was the original captain. He's oh. like, and he's been the voice of Batman in the animated movies for quite some time. Okay. And he was in Passion 57, which I just watched last night. So I'm so, okay. But in this recap, so are you thinking, I'm just surprised you're not trying to cast someone younger. Well, he's 25 in 1981. I'm going purely 1981. Oh, like, I understand. So I'm like going okay, okay. right there. But okay. if it was like now, mm-hmm. I don't like all of these motherfuckers are old. Like if I were to say, if I'm going to do a limited series, you got to just recast everyone because everyone's a thousand. Yeah. Like Michael Ironside still, 
younger than I thought he was. I thought he was like 80 or something. It's like, just turned 70. I was like, hold on, run that back. Right. He's like, hold on, hold on, what? <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so we talked a little bit earlier about sequels. Mm-hmm. So there were two sequels, two spinoffs, and an attempted remake. Okay, please tell me you're going to talk about Scanner Cop, because that's, that's a thing, right? So the two sequels. And I haven't seen any of them. Were Scanners, The New Order. Okay. And Scanners, The Takeover. I might watch The New Order. And then the spinoffs were Scanner Cop. Which sounds ridiculous. And the sequel to Scanner's Cop was also just called Scanner's The Showdown or Scanner Cop 2. So, wait. Okay, so you're saying that there were two actual sequels to Scanner's. And then two spinoffs. But then there were two spinoffs, but the second spinoff was a sequel to the first spinoff. Yes, but also just could have been another Scanner's movie. Because they literally had two different titles. I'm going to have to watch it. Now that I've gotten through this movie twice... Oh, and full disclosure, I actually did not watch the head exploding scene the first time. And then I told myself, I was like, you have, you have to go back and watch it. Okay. Question. <laughs> Between the initial, initial scanners in 1981. Yes. And the second scanners. Mm-hmm. So scanners too, not even the spinoff, just the sequel. Right. You know, Cronenberg wasn't involved in any of them, right? Right. How many years elapsed between the first movie and the second movie? I don't know. 10 years. 10? Yes. So they're telling us in the 80s where we watched horror documentaries and body horror and all types of bullshit. Remember that one movie um, that's in like this weird outer verse and everyone has like a butt for a face and shit? Yeah. That came out. But y'all couldn't do scan- scanners too in the 80s. So we're in a different decade. So the, here's another thing. I mean, is, is David Cronenberg like a, a warlock? I'm saying like this movie wasn't bad in terms of no. making money. No. Yeah. So why did they care what he thought? Like in terms of just like I think he may have owned rights to it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And and also you gotta get that blessing. It's like it's not, it's not yours. And this is basically this is the movie they got him over, as by the way. Yeah. As like the body horror guy. Yes. Now what could be really interesting going back to the casting couch thing, mm-hmm. what if his son's like, I'm gonna do a remake? Right? Because his son just did this movie called Possessor. I think he talked about this a little bit. Eh, it's worth a rewatch. I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. I maybe it was a little too cerebral for me at the time. Um, I want to talk about Benjamin Pierce a little bit. Don't, wait, wait, wait. You know, I forget. Don't, don't, don't tell me. Okay, Benjamin Pierce is the artist. <sighs> they did a shortcut. Okay. Yes, they did a shortcut. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, not stable. And his acting was bad. They, I know what they wanted him to be. He didn't do a good job. I could tell, like, the this is a case of where the actual, the script wasn't bad. Like, the, the actual what was on the page, I think would have worked, but he didn't. Okay. What about, are you going to talk about when he starts laughing? When he, when he's doing like this weird Joker laugh, like he's doing like a Mark Hamill. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Was it in the head? Which is also a thing. When these niggas walked us out of a head and sat down, that was another oh, thing that was yeah. going on, which was great. Actually, I really liked that. That was good. I liked his, I liked the fake. Cause that's always a thing in a movie when there's like, supposed to be art or like music but it's actually original yeah, yeah it's like does this actually work as art i feel like because of what what's his background is um what stephen lack's background is mm-hmm. what if he actually did that shit and this is like well we got to cast him because we need we need this art done for the free and that would have been interesting i mean i liked his his line uh my art keeps me sane yeah you know which 
you know, hey, that's a good mantra for all of us. I'm not sure it was working for him, but... I was relieved when they came there and he got shot multiple times. <laughs> uh, I love they, that you were relieved by his murder. Because I remember when I watched it with you, I was like, yo, when can we get past this nigga? Is it bad that I did my usual thing where I do like a default to like, maybe this will turn into an awesome gay scene because Jesus Christ. I know that it's supposed to be a thing where it's like... Um, that he's just in there. It's like, yeah, man. You know, like, so hold on. You said the laughing scene. So when was he laughing? I remember this. Oh, God. I feel like. Or was he asking him for help and he just kind of laughed at him or some shit? Yeah. He's like laughing at some point. And I, I wish that I could remember more about it. But it's like. Because they're in a barn. This is because he's walking around a lot for some reason. He has that kind of agitated, fidgety thing. Yes. And I feel like they were up like at a level high. You know, in those barns when you have like this extra shelf kind of thing. Yes. I feel like. I feel like Vale asked him, I need you to help me with Revic. <laughs> or some shit like that. Yes. And but the, the you don't even really know, like it's unclear what the purpose of their meeting exactly is, besides I guess just meeting another scanner, which I guess would be enough. It was an action sequence they needed to set up. And, okay. Um so we start to see no, no, we we forgot a scene. What's that? A scene. When the yogi was there, and he almost killed this nigga just for the sake of fuck it. The other scene in the basement when Vale was just like, uh, Dr. Ruth was like, this yogi here, he oh, knows how to control right. his heart rate. And I was just like. Why is ju-. this scene here? I was like, based, well, it got, to me, it got Vale over as, is he a heel? Because he was like, because he didn't want to stop. Yes. And I was yes, like, you're yes, a piece yes, of yes, shit. Yes. This nigga's okay. not going to make it. He's like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> And he's like, you can stop now. And he's well, like, especially since we've seen now what can happen. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and um, what was it? What did the veil say? I understand now. And the next scene, he's in his fucking spy suit. I was like, fuck this movie. No, you're right. That that was kind of like the purpose of that scene. And it leads to him because he's in the, the suit to go to the art show. Yes. Because that's why they're looking for dude. And essentially, it leads to he basically veil and Ruby this guy killed. They get Brain Migs killed because Revic wasn't fucking Wait, with Wait, what did you call him? Brain Migs. Brain Migs? Yes. Please explain. You have to explain to us why you're calling him that. He just gives me Migs energy from fucking uh, <laughs> 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 the lamps. <laughs> Migs energy. I don't think that anyone wants to hear that, that they're giving <laughs> Migs energy. I mean, he was proto-Migs. So they come there. They blicky off Migs. They shoot this motherfucker so many times. Right? And he's like, like, gurgle, gurgle. And he's here. Gurgle, gurgle. Is that not what's happening? I think that's what happened. You got to find her. It's like you got to find What was her name? What was the chick's name? A Kim? Okay. So I I watched. This was my thing. I I knew a lot about the head exploding scene because you know what happens. When you're traumatized by something, you want to learn everything about it. To make sure it's not real. But. Yes, that probably is the purpose, which unfortunately I could not do when I actually saw this movie because I was too young and there was no internet. So, but I made an agreement with myself that I was going to watch the entire movie before I Googled anything. But I was so confused about how they came back to this chick, Kim Obrist or whatever. And like, I remember that she was at the art gallery, but I just didn't really get it. And I'm just like, I see. Because one of the confusing parts is that not only are is there Consec and that weird plastic company or whatever it's called. Yeah, that's fake. Yeah. But then there's like Revic and the 
rebel scanners. The underground? And then there's a, but there's a different underground that like opposes him. And so that's, I guess, the whole like scanner seance that they were having that got broken up by assassins. Let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> yes. What is this kumbaya in my brain is happening? Because now, granted, she torched these motherfuckers, by the way. I was just like, damn. Yeah, so this is what I was saying, where it's like, not which I'm, I'm actually okay with. Yeah, I'm okay with not having a clear delineation of powers because, like, when you're talking about a movie, there's only but so much that you're going to get without some sort of Scooby Doo expository download. And it's less than two hours, by the way. That's true. Yeah, like you said, tight runtime. So it's like, moves along at a brisk pace. So you're not going to find that everything. But I was curious. I'm just like, is there like level 10? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, pyrokinetics is something entirely different. Well, Remember when, what is that fucking dude's name? I wrote it down. Uh, Braden Keller. He was the. Keller is the mole, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he intimated that she's not the same as the rest of them. And that's what was really getting under her sin when he was creeping out when they got, when they kidnapped both um, Kim and um, Vale. Yeah. And took them back to the facility. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I knew it wasn't the same as you. Yeah, and, and he's then, like creeping all over. Her. Yeah, like, and it's like it's really weird because here's another thing that I'm always trying to figure out is like, is this supposed to be like a potential love interest for someone? And I'm not trying to be mean. But I was like, waiting for that, by the way. Yeah, because like she kind of had like sort of like a Sigourney Weaver, like Deborah Winger mm-hmm. type vibe of like that time period. So I was like, oh, okay, like you know, and she, you know, plus I guess she knows about art. I don't know, but like. Yeah, I think that was supposed to be a whole vibe. But yeah, maybe there were scanners that could use their powers differently. So I I would imagine... I wish we learned more about that. So I would imagine, and it's not obviously not in the sequels. So I would imagine that somehow we get from there that they're both, like, whatever that drug is, they're both, like, tased out, knocked out, and they're taken back to Consec home base. Yes. To be infiltrated separately or whatever. Which I have to say that I found the darts to be a pretty humane way of doing that. I mean, considering all of the murder and other things that we see on the Explosion, shotgun blast. (laughs) I was like, well, getting shot with like, you know, the the psychotropic lawn dart, I guess, isn't that bad. I mean, it could have shoot you like shoot you in your legs. Like you don't need legs to walk. You just need your brain. Right. Exactly. They need to dampen the power. And then you kind of get that that backstory thing about what Ruth's Dr. Ruth's true nature is, which fumbled at the one of y'all on a little bit. I think so, too, because, you know, so spoiler alert, there there is a slight download towards the end of the movie before the much anticipated Mortal Kombat scanner duel. And basically, you know, Revik reveals that um, Dr. Ruth is their dad, their brothers. Yeah. And that Dr. Ruth is their dad. And he's the and Revik is the older brother. Yeah, my baby bro. And I was like, did people say that? But anyway, um. So here's the thing. First of all, you're a shitbag. Like your sons. Jesus Christ. I'm just saying like this. Their sons have been. He's just been wandering the earth like these derelicts. And it doesn't seem like a a really um, effective scientific way what, to monitor someone. What did he say? Do you remember anything about your childhood? Anything about dad? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, he was almost, he was almost getting to that like basic instinct level of like back on the jack. <laughs> he was, Shooter. he was fire. Right. So, <laughs> so, so fucking Keller murks off, um, Ruth, right. Cause you know, just for chronological sake, he murks off Ruth <laughs> and then some 
phone situation. He's scanned. No, wait. Uh, wait. Go ahead. Go ahead. He scanned it to the computer. He is Wi Fi. I'm not ready to talk about that whole Matrix scene yet. I'm not ready to talk about that yet. What the fuck is this? So, okay. It is like suddenly they knew how to do it, which was the thing that got me. Well, I'm really glad that you brought up what this could be in terms of if it was made into a series, if there ever was a reboot, some of the things they could do, you know, the opioid, the opioid epidemic, always difficult for me to say those two words together. Opioid epidemic? Yes. Um, you gotta say it like you've done them before. What? <laughs> <laughs> like I've done opioids or like That's I've said, I said them it together. So smoothly. It was very smooth. I'm not as good at saying it. Big but, day ope. So I feel like that's right there to grab onto is like this could be a cool like science fiction thriller twist paranormal way of like talking about that because you just I mean it's the same shit you have these you know totally crappy companies that just like shovel tons of opioids into doctors hands just like they show with the doctor when he the, the pregnant woman. When the uh, the fetus like scans her Man. and they're like in the waiting room and it's like, you know, you're you have just doctors handing out this drug to like pregnant women. So I feel like that's like right there. So do like, you have milk? And I definitely think that's You wanna feed me. <laughs> something that like a series could do would really be, you know, smooth out this story with like the whole thing with the dad and whoever their mom was where they Canadian. had the same mom and I'm just like I don't need to know everything, but I'm just like, why bring something up if you're going to kind of just trounce on it and just kind of do some things that really don't make sense in the end? So what's Keller a scanner? Like low, like low tier scanner, because he knew a lot. And when he was like, yeah, I'll just give him a virus. <laughs> when he was connected to the computer or whatever. That didn't occur to me. I mean, that probably, that would be, I, it sounds like something, here's what that sounds like. That sounds like something that could have been in the script that they didn't have time for, or that ended up getting cut. And it's also would be very consistent with the time period. That's something that they love to do in the seventies and eighties, sort of like that Blade Runner thing is Harrison Ford, a robot the entire yeah. time. So that makes sense to me. And I don't know that Revic would really hang out with non-scanners. He seems kind of like a Nazi about it. And, and, it's, and as you kind of put a, a lot of times, like, well, if it was if it came on nineteen eighty one, that means it was done in nineteen seventy eight. Yes, exactly. So clearly, yeah. uh, Let's see, let's see, because we're going to wrap up here in a minute. Um, I want to talk about the scanner fight real quick. I want to talk about the scanner fight. I don't want to completely not talk about what happens at the phone booth. And let's do the phone booth. Hit the phone booth. I have a brief question about ephemeral. Go Hit ahead. the phone booth and get the question, and yeah. then we'll do the scanner fight, and then we'll wrap. Okay. So phone booth. So. <laughs> Vale somehow scans the computer because he works, he works for because the computer is a brain. <laughs> so what's the difference? Oh my god! Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So in theory, not a bad idea. And sure. you know, no firewalls. There was probably you know science fiction books, um, neuromancer, and you know other things that that talk about that kind of stuff. But probably hadn't seen it a lot in a movie up to that point. Mm-hmm. So okay, interesting idea. He's also at a phone booth, and I'm just like, no, there's no way that, like, screenwriters of The Matrix did not see that. And true, I, I'm true, not true. I'm not saying that to disparage The Matrix, like, you bit off this idea. It's just like... Well, I mean, they've unabashedly said they've been, in, you know, fucking Influenced inspired, by different yeah. things. So, but also, then you have the counter idea that we're going to kill the computer. We're going to shut off the computer or something, and it's going to kill... 
veil. Which makes me think that dude had to be a scanner based on that. Right. Like, logic how would he know that? It's like, yeah. You ain't that smart. You know how to use guns. You got but the then, smallest one. But then the entire room explodes. And, and what did Revic say? I guess you got to blow him up. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> And, but he did get a headache from it, though. He did get a headache. And I, I like that. I like the consistency of, like, you know, as we say, like, magic always has a price. If you think about, like, powers and, like, the paranormal as, like, being magic or a yeah. science, like, there's always a price. So, you know, nosebleeds, headaches, nausea, you know, pain. Like, I, I was really, those elements like made, made sense to me. Well, <laughs> then there's that. You're pregnant in your brain, baby. Well, you know, Maybe. Maybe. Maybe this whole experiment is just men's way to give birth. It's an allegory, right, for pregnancy. You all can't see Robert's face right now, but he's doing the face that he makes when he's about to do this persona of, like, the very super woke philosopher. You just don't get it. (laughs) Daryl Revick had his third eye open all movie. Well, I think that was intentional. Yeah. Stop pointing to your head. I have a crater between my eyes because oh my, I'm, my, my head is partially. You do too, sis. All right. Let's talk about it's the It's right there. I see it. it. That is a chicken pox scar. Same difference. Let's Black. <laughs> Same difference. Right. Which is such a contradiction. Let's talk about the scanner duel. That's negative, Cam. Defeatist. Disappoints me to hear you talk that way. You're starting to sound like them. There's a whole generation of scanner soldiers just a few months away from being born. We'll find them, train them to be like us, not like Obers and their band of cripples. We'll bring the world of normals to their knees. Rule an empire so brilliant, so glorious. We'll be the envy of the whole planet. You sound just like him, like Ruth. No, not like him. Like Rack! Daryl Rack! No. Like him. It's as though he's been reincarnated in you. You're not listening to me. You're not cooperating, Cam. You're not cooperating with me at all. I've been counting on you for years, Cameron. Tell me you're not going to betray me like all the rest. Tell me you're not. No! All right. We're going to do it the scan away. I'm going to suck your brain dry. Everything you are is going to become me. You're going to be with me, Cameron, no matter what. After all, Brothers should be close, don't you think? The scanner duel, it was funny that Vale, after waking up in an office, and they fucking, like, Kim is not even in He there. wakes up in the most terrible places, doesn't he? He wakes up in the most terrible places, but after they talk for a little bit, and, and Reva gives him the reveal, right? And he immediately grabs the maple leaf source award and cracks him over the fucking uh, you know i it. died uh, you know i died because okay listeners you may not know this but one of robert's best jokes that always makes me laugh no matter what's happening is the idea that so many people in colombo films and tv shows and movies murder each other with like a blunt force object that's not a gun or a knife so it's like 
I don't forget what we were watching. Oh, we were watching um, Hannibal. Yeah. And then Robert was like, yeah, you know, he's going to just kill this bitch with his NAACP image award. <laughs> and like, it, great. it happens in so many movies. Remember that? What was that one movie? I think it was maybe uh, that elevator movie that was um, on Hulu. Are you and, talking about, uh, was it a Bloom? Was it, uh, I think it was a Blumhouse. Yeah. And the chick fell on it head first. Yes. And just went to the back of her head. I was like. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, because that could just happen. Because I mean, it was, skull... sharp. it was sharp. Well, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, but it was a paperweight. There's a lot of deaths that happen as a result of. So he's bleeding from the side of his <laughs> glue, right? Because his shit is like moving at this point. Yes. And as he's shaking, what what is he? Yeah, I'm gonna suck you dry. Well, that was because. But to be fair, that was after his kid brother didn't go along with his plan. His older kid brother. Yeah, right. His older kid brother. All he wanted to do was take over the world. We should and, be together. And these these motives are never clear, but it's fine. You know, just he wanted sort of, his brother. That's what it was. It's about brothers. It's about brothers. There we go. Shout out to Rudy. Yeah. It's about <laughs> brothers. So, yeah. So, Vale didn't agree to this plan for world <gasps> domination. What does a world run by scanners look like? I mean, does everyone who's on a scanner get murdered? Yes. So, there's only 237 or 47, depending on which number you're talking I about. I only saw one woman, and I'm not sure if she's a scanner. So... <laughs> That gay subtext that you're looking for, it might be a lot. Of, okay, it was one. It was one other one that got out because they did the obligatory ass scene when she goes to the barn. She had like the big hair. She was one of the shotgun motherfuckers with, with oh, black dudes. Oh, yeah, yeah, They yeah. immediately went to her acid wash butt cheeks. And then yeah. blam, blam, blam. Oh, no. And then he's dead. So, or are we just reading too much into it? And it's not reading too much into it, but are we just... Are we glossing over the fact that maybe we're supposed to see that Revik has a point? Because all these places suck. Consec sucks. Good name, though. Yeah, that's a good name. Um, you know, the bicarbonate fake company, they all suck. Uh-huh. So it's like, why Why can't we just, we were born. It wasn't our fault that we're here. So why do we have to be controlled by anyone? And also his whole delivery on, because they, they, we glaze over a little bit, the thing with the dad. And that you talked about it, but the thing when he said with the dad, and I just like how confused he was before he got murdered. Yes. How could he work in this company all this time? Meanwhile, Keller's behind him. You know I'm gonna shoot you, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't understand. Bland. He's still as his brains is he's oozing out. Yeah. I just don't get. Daryl Revick's here. Right. And then that's true. Yeah. When Revick is doing the whole speech, right, and he's like, "We're just like him." He's doing that thing? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, Revic, he gets up so fucking he, yeah, angry. Yeah, he does. He does. He he whips out like a really weird voice. It seems like a voiceover from a Conan movie or then something. Then his veins start getting very viperous and gross. Oh, the veins are great. I mean, Dick Smith is doing a great job as the consultant right now because there's like all kinds of pulsing and it's bleeding. Yeah, because like, because um, when he's sucking him, uh, drive his like essence or what have you. Wait a minute. This is getting worse. That's the only thing I describe because I can't say he's sucking with his brain power. Yeah, so that's where we were. Basically, after Vale turns down his offer to rule the world, then he's like, well, I'm just going to have to. But then that's the thing about these powers. He's not just talking about killing him. He's talking about absorbing his power. So is that a thing? It's like the quickening. The Highlanders. Okay. Nas will be playing in my reboot, too, if I rule the world. Sure. But then he's starting to peel apart, which is gross. Very disgusting. It is just... And then he just catches. <laughs> he just catches fire, just like, spontaneously. They should have put somebody. Else so in are there. he and Kim the same type of scanner that can make fire appear? I, I don't know. That's really hard because he doesn't seem to have. 
Vale, right? Mm -hmm. Vale doesn't seem when he's using because they're doing the scanner. Do we'll do this the way the scanner way? The scanner way. I love it. Uh, I want that on a T-shirt. It doesn't seem that he has the same degree of exertion. You're talking about Vale? Mm Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't. It seems like he may be a higher tier one. He might be. And he just needed to unlock it. Right. Because he didn't know. And I, I, I don't know. Like maybe. Like some can do certain things, like I watch this anime Fire Force, and some of them can conjure fire, some of them can make their own fire, some need fire and can manipulate it. Maybe it's a thing of I can have normancy, I can have I'm sorry, yeah normancy, I can have firekinesis, I can have all these different and, things and and psychokinesis. They can yeah. control other people's minds with their mind. So you know maybe that's the, and I can just switch personalities because that's the end question there. Okay. What happened in the fight at the end of the fight? At the end of the fight. Um, I'm going to sneak in one thing about ephemeral. So ephemeral creates scanners, but it also dampens their power. So it's basically kryptonite. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So at the end, what happens? You have Vale's body has been destroyed by Mm -hmm. this pyrokinetic event. He's literally ashes. And then... Revik's body is still alive. Revik is under a shroud or something. But the voice that comes out is Vale's voice. Mm-hmm. And he's telling Kim, you know. We did it. We won. And it's like, that's a super Cronenberg ending, by the way. Very ambiguous. Uh-huh. Because it's like, we won. So are both of you in there? Yeah. In the one body. And then the the thing that you can have, and you know more about the writing terminology than I do, but it can easily be one of those things. Did y'all have like a psychic conversation that we weren't privy to? Mm, because that's a good it's point. like kind of it's still really loose on why are y'all working together again? Yeah. Because if he knew knows where you fuckers are at, because he obviously came in with the <laughs> with shotgun niggas and shit. I just had this picture of of him saying in his mind, like, I know where you fuckers are at. Yeah, if he knew where they were at, <laughs> and he just sent like the the shotgun shotgun in the gang, and, <laughs> and they just went there and there fucking yo. So we, I'm calling this meeting of the book club today. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Kumbaya, my lord, <laughs> or whatever. That was insane. It looked like the worst party ever. It's like, yo, who's got the coke? It's like nobody. No, no, there was no coke at that party, and no one brought any good snacks either. All right, so that's pretty much, unless you had any other things, and then we can wrap up. Well, I just want to say that I really enjoyed doing this with you as much as I could about something that um, still remains. This is one of those things. You never forget it, you know. That's true. Um, as something that really, really intensely terrified you as a kid. But this has been fun, and um, it was really cool learning more about this movie. Yeah, it's a deep dive movie. Yes, it is. And so, you know, I highly recommend it to people out there um, who haven't seen it. It's better than you think. Yeah, um, definitely worth a watch. It's a it's a simple movie, and it, it, it's simple, but it, it it inspires thought. I think, um, and it's enjoyable, and it's in its fortieth anniversary, so it's worth uh, worth a watch. It's only about an hour and a half. Enjoy it. Probably about forty minutes, and you get to see Michael Ironside with hair like you've never seen him before. Like you've never seen him before, and you know he looks like a penis. So that's a plus there because all those veins popping out looks wild. I definitely think that somebody had that thought when they were like painting them on, or however they attach them with the little pulsar things. But as you're watching it, try to think of a better actor in Stephen Lack's role. Just just imagine someone, someone else. else. Yeah, picture yourself. That's that's a new drinking game. Whenever Stephen Lack's using his eyeballs, <laughs> just like. 
That's me right there. Except in the scene when he's eating the leftover corn dog. Don't picture yourself no. as him then. And oh, at, the, at the beginning when the chick's like, oh, what kind of creep is that? They're just like talking shit about him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, she then had an epileptic fit. I mean, maybe she should watch her mouth. Yeah. Watch her fucking mouth. That's a lesson that we learned. So um, for, for Koo, thanks again for coming over. Anytime. Glad to be here. Um, I'm Rob Lee, and this was Let's Watch It Again on Scanners. See you guys next week.